1874, the Philadelphia Zoological Garden became the first zoo to open its gates in North America. Among its first occupants were a pair of chimpanzees. Now, these actually aren't them. I just took a picture of me and my brother as kids. Now, their names were Mr. and Mrs. Chimp, and they were two of only four chimpanzees in North America, both taken at very young ages from West Africa. On December 27, 1878, Mrs. Chimpanzee died of complications during a cold winter morning while receiving the attention of her companion. What happened next was like nothing that had ever been recorded. The male chimpanzee began to try to awaken her by shaking her. When she did not wake, he began frantically pulling out the hairs on the top of his head. He started throwing himself against the bars of his cage and butting his head against the hardwood floor, eventually burying his head under a pile of straw. His cries could be heard throughout the entire zoo, making sounds that at the time zookeepers had never heard. This chimpanzee was experiencing something that very few chimps had ever experienced. The zoo superintendent explained that to local news how in the wild these chimps would live in groups of six or more, building platforms in the trees, sleeping and living together whereas these Philadelphia primates were, were accustomed to sleeping at night on a blanket on the floor in each other's arms, especially during the long, cold December nights. After the death of his female counterpart, the male chimpanzee returned to an inherited habit of his youth by sleeping on the crossbeam at the top of the cage that closely mimicked his West African home, likely due to a growing sense of uneasiness towards unknown dangers that had now been heightened by his increased sense of loneliness. What if I told you that there is a global pandemic going on right now? You might be like, for real? What rock have you been living under this whole time? Have you not watched the news lately? Or maybe you'd be thinking, okay, you just told us this really sad story about chimps, and now you're suggesting a pandemic is this like a Planet of the Apes situation? I can tell you with full assurance that I am not living under a rock. Although, I do try to limit my newsfeed intake to keep from becoming too anxious with all that's going on in our world. And I can tell you with less confidence that I'm pretty sure we don't have to worry about an ape uprising. Yet. But what if I told you that there was a pandemic going on right now in our world that started long before COVID ever reached our news feeds and cities. What I want to suggest is that we are experiencing something on a global scale, and especially here in the West, that like Mr. Chimpanzee, we have never experienced before, or at least experienced on this scale before. The pandemic that I want to bring to light today is a pandemic of loneliness, an ever-increasing spread of loneliness that is affecting millions of people globally. In 2017 and 18, the former Surgeon General of the United States declared an epidemic of loneliness in America. In a study done by The Economist, in the U.S., 22% of people say they often feel lonely or lacking companionship or feel left out or isolated. Another study revealed that nearly half of Americans always or sometimes felt alone. And 54% of them 
say that no one knows them well. Those are absolutely startling and frankly sad stats. When we look to diagnose why this is becoming an ever-growing concern, we don't have to look too hard to find a major contributor. We can point to the fact that on average, the number of people living alone is the highest in recorded history. And more than one in four people in the States live alone. The highest recorded stat of single dwellings in history. We are currently in a moment that is like no other period in history. And where this becomes a pandemic is this is not just an American problem. In the UK, people living alone has grown by 16% over the last two decades to a staggering 7.7 million people. Across the entire European Union, 28% of people live alone. Another UK stat that I found incredibly concerning is the number of elderly people this affects. In Britain, nearly half of people who took this survey over the age of 65 considered their television or a pet as their main source of company. Their television or their pet. This is heartbreaking or at least it should be. The loneliness pandemic has grown to be such a pressing concern for them that in 2018, they appointed a minister of loneliness in their parliament, a movement that should trigger us to consider the severity of this growing concern. And the thing is that this is happening in our country as well. A recent study in Canada found that one in five people identify as being lonely. Once again, a contributing factor of that might be that 28% of Canadians are now living alone, which a number, a number which I assume is growing. In 2017, the Vancouver Foundation did a survey of over 200 charitable organizations and over 100 community leaders, both Christian and non-Christian, religious and non-religious organizations. And they asked them what they thought the greatest issue in their city was. And nearly all of them indicated that loneliness and isolation was their greatest need. Not poverty or homelessness, but loneliness and disconnection. The loneliness pandemic is affecting people all over the globe and in our country and in the cities and communities that we're watching from today. Loneliness is spreading and it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't pick an age group. It affects all of us from seniors to young people. According to a 2016 Viceland UK census, loneliness is the number one fear among young people today. And 42% of millennial women are more afraid of loneliness than a cancer diagnosis. Let that sink in for a second. More afraid of loneliness than a cancer diagnosis. A recent study done by Barna indicated that this current generation is more connected globally than ever before. But how this intersects with our topic today is that although they are more connected to broad global trends, they feel less loved and supported by those around them. In Barna's words, despite being a hyper-connected and globally-minded generation, many young adults say that they feel lonely. And they discovered that one in three say that they feel deeply cared for by those around them. That means that two-thirds of them feel like they aren't deeply cared for by those around them. If we were in the auditorium right now, we could do the whole look to your left, 
Now look to your right. Someone around you is likely experiencing loneliness because that would be accurate. And I would wager the guess that you at some point have experienced feelings of loneliness in your life because loneliness isn't just tied to the idea of living alone. It is a massive component of it, but it isn't solely tied to it. In her book, A Biography of Loneliness, British historian Faye Bound Alberti defines loneliness as a conscious, cognitive feeling of estrangement or social separation from meaningful others. Or in other words, loneliness is the feeling of being disconnected from meaningful relationships. The feeling of being unknown. I love the way that former Surgeon General Murthy defines it. Loneliness is the feeling that no place is home. Loneliness does not simply mean being alone or living alone. I like to be alone from time to time. And if you're an introvert, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Being alone does not equal loneliness. Loneliness is the feeling that you lack meaningful relationship. Loneliness equals disconnected. You can be in a house full of roommates or family and feel complete loneliness. You can be in a marriage or in a relationship and yet feel so alone. The most bitter type of loneliness can be standing in a whole room full of people and yet feeling lonely, uncared for, unknown, unloved. A complete disconnection from meaningful relationships. My friends, this is uncharted territory for us as a human race. Like our friend Mr. Chimpanzee, this is a new and frightening space. Most historians on the topic of loneliness would point out that before the 19th century, loneliness as a condition didn't really exist. It's not that people like widows or widowers or the very poor, the sick, and the outcasts weren't lonely. It's that since it was impossible to survive without living among other people and being bound to others by ties of affection, loyalty, and or obligation, loneliness was a passing experience. It was next to impossible to survive without a community of people. The loneliness pandemic is completely new to us. It's grown out of the rise of capitalism and individualism, where our physical survival is completely possible without a close-knit community, and where the individual is held as king. One could argue that the birth of the digital age and the rise of social media has helped both connect us like never before, but has also shallowed and greatly weakened our local personal relationships. All of this has been going on for the past century or so and growing naturally on its own. It accelerated with online and social media. Then COVID happened and threw fuel on the fire. We were forced deeper into isolation as people, becoming more cut off from one another. These experiences of loneliness have been magnified and increased. And even though the stay-at-home order has been lifted, many people are paralyzed with fear and are unable to leave their house, increasing the isolation. In a moment, we are going to put a poll in the chat and we want you to be honest. It's totally private. But let us know, are you feeling lonely right now or during this season? I just want to stop to take a second while we do that and also to take a deep breath. Seriously, do that. I recognize that this is a heavy topic, but this weighs heavy on my heart. And I know this weighs heavy on the heart of our Circle YXC community. And I know that loneliness is close to the heart of God. I just want to say that if you're watching this 
and you're experiencing feelings of loneliness or feel alone in this season, know that you aren't alone. At Circle, we want you to know that you can belong here. And that even if you don't believe a lick of this Christian stuff, we want you to know that you can belong to our community. And those aren't just cushy words or lip service. We mean that. We believe that you can find meaningful relationships and friendships here at Circle. We believe so strongly in this. So please connect with us. I personally believe so strongly that no one should experience loneliness and that you can belong at Circle. I want you to have my phone number. Not just a phone number, my phone number. It'll be at the bottom corner of your screen for the entire duration of this video. Please call or text me and we as a Circle YXE community will help you find a place that feels like home. Because loneliness is the feeling that no place is home. To feel at home is to be known and to be at home is to belong. Now my friends, I could continue to take much of our time together to further my case for this ever-growing pandemic. I could continue to present stats or a social history of loneliness. I didn't even bring forth a medical case for why loneliness is something to be concerned about or even the effects that it has on our mental health, which is deeply concerning. There is so much literature out there on this topic. The question that I wanna ask is what are we as followers of Jesus to do? Or better yet, what are we as members of humanity going to do about this deeply concerning pandemic of loneliness? Because this isn't just a church issue or a people who go to church issue. This is a humankind issue. I believe that there is something that we can learn from the example of Jesus that can help us look to tackle this issue of loneliness. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, there is so much that we can learn from his example. One example being that all people matter and that all lives have value, including black and indigenous lives. They matter to God. There is so much that we can learn and still need to learn from Jesus. But today, I want us to look at a story from Luke 19 and then present a powerful action step that we can take in ending loneliness. The story is found in Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. If you've been around the church, you'll know this is the story of Zacchaeus. Today, I'm going to paraphrase the story, but if you want to read it in full, please check the message notes section here or in our app. The story goes like this. Jesus is passing through the town of Jericho. And whenever Jesus comes to town, he always draws a large crowd. In Jericho lives our friend Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was really rich. Zacchaeus had heard all about Jesus and wanted to see him. Only one problem for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was short. So short that he was unable to see over the crowd. Zacchaeus now, being a resourceful man, and someone who really wanted to see Jesus and to see what this Jesus guy was all about, he ran ahead and climbed a tree just to see Jesus. When Jesus reached the tree where Zacchaeus was in, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus scurried down and gladly welcomed him. Now, the crowd was not a fan of Zacchaeus, which I'll unpack in a second. And they were definitely not a fan of what Jesus was doing here. So they began to mutter among themselves, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
But Zacchaeus, hardly shaken by this, got up and said, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've ever cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Four times the amount. What an incredible change of heart from Zacchaeus. On the surface, it doesn't look like much has happened to cause such a powerful transformation. More on that in a second. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, Zacchaeus, too, is the son of Abraham. And now this is one of my favorite verses. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. This is such a powerful story. I encourage you to please read the whole thing when you have a minute. So, there, so our question then is, what can we take from Jesus' example in this story that can help us bring an end to loneliness in our time? And I know that's a huge ask. There is so much that can be unpacked from this one story. But I want us to primarily focus on the interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus. So let's start with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector which at the time of this story was not a good thing. But I mean, when has anything related to taxes been a good thing? Culturally, tax collectors were a very unloved group, a group that would have been on the margins of society. When people complained about the kinds of people that Jesus spent time with, most being on the margins and culturally were not warmly welcome, they would say that he's a friend of sinners and tax collectors. Tax collectors got their own category. They were among the worst of the worst. And Zacchaeus was a chief among them. So the worst of the worst of the worst. Why were tax collectors so unliked? Well, because think of it this way. If you were a Jewish person living in your own country, occupied by Rome, you would pay a tax to Caesar. Let's say 50% of what you make and produce. To collect this tax, Rome would appoint some of your fellow Jews to collect the tax, like Zacchaeus or Matthew, another tax collector turned follower of Jesus. Tax collectors had the authority of Caesar to collect the tax from Rome, 50%, and then add an additional percentage of what they wanted for their wage, let's say 20%. No wonder they were so unliked. The point to make here is that Zacchaeus would have been absolutely despised and shunned by everyone in polite society and likely would have experienced social isolation and loneliness. If we look at this story, him being unable to see Jesus due to the crowd is a powerful image to highlight that. Because of his height and his social standing, he found himself on the edge of the crowd, both literally and figuratively. When it comes to loneliness, there can be a number of barriers or factors that we become separated or disconnected. Illness, physical limitations, or sickness— kind of like COVID, maybe a breakdown of relationship with family or friends, a divorce, losing a significant other or a close friend, perhaps moving to a new city or a new country far away from your support network can bring feelings of loneliness. We can become disconnected when we're struggling with our mental health. There can be a whole host of things that could be listed here. Sometimes it can be so incredibly hard to break into the crowd. Know that you are not alone. It's here that I want us to notice Jesus' example. What did Jesus do? Jesus walks up to the tree that Zacchaeus had climbed and he calls him by name. Jesus not only noticed him, but he knew him and he called him by name. 
I feel like that would have been enough for Zacchaeus. But Jesus goes one step further. He invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. I would absolutely love to discuss how culturally radical that would have been, but I want us to focus on this. Jesus invites. He invites Zacchaeus into the crowd, but more importantly, he invites Zacchaeus into a meaningful relationship. He invites Zacchaeus home. Well, literally, Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, which would have been incredibly significant. The point is, is Jesus invites, which signals to the crowd and to Zacchaeus that Zacchaeus belongs. This is so evident when the crowd mutters, he has gone to be the guest of sinners. And after Zacchaeus' powerful transformation, where he gives half of his wealth to the poor and agrees to pay back anyone that he's cheated, which likely would have been a lot. Remember, the worst of the worst of the worst. And not just pay back, but pay back four times the amount. Now, the standard amount, if you cheated someone, was to pay back double. So what Zacchaeus is saying, that is he's going to repay double the requirement. An interesting note here, Zacchaeus is a crook. The people knew it, and he knew it. Why else would he say or do any of that? But unlike the crowd, Jesus had time for all people, even the messy and broken ones. They belong to Jesus too. Here at Circle, you don't have to have your life together to belong here. And I know sometimes things can get messy, but we want to follow the example of Jesus and be the kind of community where all are warmly welcomed. So no matter where you are in life or in your faith journey, whether things are going good or they're just falling apart, you have a place here. Jesus' invitation to belong is no more clear than when he says, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is announcing that Zacchaeus belongs. He belongs to this people, but more importantly, he belongs to the family of God. So what does this mean? How does this help us with the loneliness pandemic? I want to suggest from Jesus' example that invitation has the power to heal a lonely world. When we as followers of Jesus and as members of humanity live invitationally and invite, we are welcoming people warmly and saying, you belong. You can come home. Invitation has the power to change everything. Look at Zacchaeus. He's on the outside of the crowd both physically and socially. And Jesus invites him to belong. And look what happens to Zacchaeus. Things radically change for him. He gives away his wealth and begins to live differently. The transformation is significant. That's why Luke records this. Now, this isn't to say that we invite people to belong because there are projects or that there are people in needing of fixing. We don't invite people with some ulterior motive. We invite because all people deserve to feel like they belong and that no one should feel that they don't have anywhere to call home. No one should be left to feel alone. Inviting somebody into meaningful relationship is to invite them to feel at home, that they are welcome to belong, to no longer be disconnected. Invitation is taking a step into a lonely world and announcing you belong come home. 
if you don't believe me that invitation has the power to make an impact, and if you don't think becoming invitationally as a culture can help us end loneliness, please watch this commercial with me. It was produced by the End Loneliness Campaign in the UK, so it wasn't made for a church context. But I think there is much that can inspire us here. I want you to notice the change in people's demeanor throughout the commercial. So please take a look with me. Parents or? Yeah, with my mom. Are you sure you're something? <laughs> no. It's kind of boring having a tea or coffee by yourself. You need somebody to talk to. Why are you wearing a hat? How much money do you have? Why is your hair white? It's a bit like the trees in autumn. You know, you can ask a tree, why are your leaves <laughs> brown? Do you mean in the bank or? Like your pocket money. £560 a month for pension. Wow. If you had that, what would you do? I you? would get a dog and get a house with a swimming pool and go next factor. Do you have Netflix? Nothing like that. I've just got a radio. We normally play bulldog. People still play bulldog? Yeah. I remember playing that. Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers. Peter Piper picked a... <laughs> where are your friends and where they are? Mm. Some of my friends are abroad. I was born in Jamaica, so a lot of my friends are there, you know. I mean, I'm new in London. Well, I've had hundreds and thousands of friends. At the moment, I've got, got a lot of Facebook friends. Well, maybe I can sit with you and have some coffee. Yeah. You like coffee? Yeah. Do you? What's your favourite? Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Why can't everybody be friends? <laughs> That's a good question. It's not as easy as that, really. I couldn't walk up to somebody in here and say, would you like to play with me? I'd be a bit strange. I think everyone should talk to everybody. That's the nicest thing I've heard all day. You've really made my day. Making friends is easier than eating chocolate. I think everyone in the world should have one big party and become friends. <laughs> Much like Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, these children invite themselves into a relationship with the people sitting alone at a coffee shop. It's strange at first, because let's be honest, as a culture, we become increasingly disconnected from one another. I hope you notice the change in body language of each person sitting alone, the change in their mood. And I bet if we asked each one of them, they likely would have said that that was a highlight of their day. One lady going as far as to say that. People became lighter and more themselves. You could say that they looked at home, comfortable, not anxious, free to be themselves, home. My friends, when we invite people, we are proclaiming that there is a place to belong. And when we feel we belong, it changes everything. So the question is, is what are we inviting people to? 
What does that even look like? Now, this is usually the part in a message like this that you expect me to say to church. And don't mishear me. It is so good to invite people to try church, especially now that church is online because it's never been easier to invite someone to check out what church is about. Because when we invite people to church, we are saying two things. We are saying that there is a community of people that you can belong to. That there is a people that you can feel at home with, no matter where you are in life, whether you believe in God or not. When we invite someone to church, we are also saying to someone that there is a God that knows them and is calling them by name. A God that deeply wants to connect with them. That through Jesus you can have the most meaningful relationship of all. If you hear that and that's something that you want to know more about, try Alpha Online. Alpha is a space where you can explore questions about life, meaning, and God together in a welcoming community. And Alpha is a great space to invite people you know to explore life's big questions. But not solely that, it's also a place that they can belong. Church is great. I love the church. I have dedicated a huge chunk of my life to it. But church is not the only area that we can be invitational. Church is not the only invitation that we can extend. The most important invitation that we can extend to people is an invitation into meaningful relationship. Invite someone to have coffee, to check in on them and genuinely see how they're doing. Do it especially in these strange times. Invite a neighbor or a coworker over to your house for a meal. Just a meal, no strings attached, no secret motives. Just an invitation to connect. Our world is becoming more isolated and more disconnected. Our tables and our homes can play a major role in ending loneliness. So throw a party and invite people over. And not just the people you know super well. Barbecue season is still on for a few more weeks. One of the greatest things that we can do to end loneliness and halt our ever-growing disconnection from one another is invite. Invite those around you into meaningful relationship. Mother Teresa said that the greatest disease in the West today is not TB, tuberculosis, or leprosy, or right now COVID. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. We love people when we invite. When we invite, we are proclaiming to people that they can belong and that they belong to us. And to belong is to feel at home. So what can you do today? I have two things. And I just want to say before I give you those two things, that if you're not a Christian and you've been watching this far, I'm glad you're here. I just want to say to you that even if you don't believe in God, that invitation is something that we can all practice. It's not just a church idea. The world would be a better place if we all lived more invitationally. I want to encourage you to lean into what I'm about to suggest. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus— I want to say when it comes to invitation that it's not an optional activity. Inviting people into meaningful relationships and life transformation is something that Jesus modeled 
and mandated us as the church to participate in. It's part of that role that Pastor Paul introduced in our last series. So we need to take action in this area. So please lean in. Like, actually, physically lean in. Sit at the edge of your couch or seat as a physical posture of readiness to take action. Two things you can do today. Number one, start by asking God. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, ask yourself the question, who do I know that might be feeling alone right now? Or who might be isolated and feeling disconnected? Start by looking around and taking notice. It's pretty easy in our busy lives to miss those around us. Number two, if someone comes to mind, send them a message today. Or as soon as they come to mind, don't wait. Invite them for coffee or lunch or to have a phone call to catch up. Or if you feel like it's the right thing at this moment, invite them to join you at one of our watch parties next week or to try Alpha this fall. Whatever space you invite them into, do it today. If no one comes to mind, ask God to bring people to mind or to bring people into your life who are, are longing to feel like they belong. Go for a walk in your neighborhood or in your apartment building and look around and take notice. Which of your neighbors are new or elderly or you haven't seen in a while? Listen for hints of loneliness in conversations at work or with people around you and invite them into a conversation to get to know them. Because to be known is to be at home. My friends, if we begin to think and live more invitationally and begin to notice those around us, those who are on the outside of the crowd, those who are feeling the sting of loneliness and isolation, we can stop the spread of loneliness in our time. So let's start today. You have my number on the screen. We'll put it in the chat as well. Like I said before, if you are wanting to get connected, please call or text me. However, if you're here today and you're feeling like you're doing okay, but you want to be held accountable to make a change, please text me the names of people that come to mind that you're going to invite, whether that be to church, to Alpha, or just to a conversation or a meal. I want to pray for you as you do that. And I'll also give the names of people that you've texted me to our prayer team to pray as well. So do that right now. I would absolutely love for my phone to blow up with all the names of people that we can pray for to find a place that feels like home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for today and the opportunity to gather together. God, I pray that we notice that there is a disconnection and loneliness pandemic going in our world. God, we just ask that you would give us the courage and the boldness and the attention to invite those around us that are feeling lonely, God. And Lord, if we're experiencing loneliness today, I pray that we would experience your love, God, because we know that a relationship with you is the most meaningful relationship of all. So God, if we're experiencing loneliness disconnection and isolation, God. We just invite you where, where we're at, God, whether that be at home or at work or wherever, Lord. We just invite you into that space. And Lord, I just pray that as a church, as a Circle YXC community, God, that we would live more invitationally and that we would have the courage to invite and proclaim to our world, you belong. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.